0: And I am here today with uh, not only a very talented actor, but someone I've d- I've uh, had the opportunity to interview a couple of times in the past. Uh, she is utterly delightful, and I always enjoy chatting with her. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, is Paulina Nguyen? Uh, Paulina, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good. You know, every day has been different. Like, I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's the quarantine, but. I feel like every day I wake up, I'm like, "What am I feeling today?" I literally have to ask myself that because I'm. I feel like I've gone into like this autopilot mode, yeah, <laughs> where I like be completely unaware sometimes of how I'm feeling.
0: Yeah, I think it, it's one of those things where you know you you, especially where the if you're, you know, either working from home or you're not working, like it's, you have like almost this robotic, monotonous routine. Like, I've gotten to the point where it's like, okay, I get up, uh, my wife gets up before me, I get up, and then I go to make coffee. But, like, for whatever reason, it's the old uh, needing a cup of coffee before brewing a cup of coffee conundrum. I go to, uh, because we have, like, a little Keurig, and we have a bunch of coffee from Deadly Grounds, which is our sponsor. And I'll go to pour the coffee, for some reason, directly into my cup instead of, like, into little reusable Keurig cup. And I do that every <laughs> single morning. And it's like, this is one habit I need to break because this is totally wrong.
1: That's hilarious.
0: Now, you guys, you, you were out, uh, I'm going to say you guys, like, meaning California. You're out in, in California and, you know, you guys are, are handling uh, COVID a little bit differently. Um, partly because you have this massive population. Uh, than you know, compared to us over here in Massachusetts. So, you know, I know that, uh, you know, things are kind of uh, spiking out there, mainly because there's just there's just so many people like you guys have done a good yeah, job trying yeah. to contain it. But
1: yeah, you know, I feel like we were doing really good, you know, like a month ago, two months ago, like we were you know, we were flattening the curve. And then and then I. I'm sure, you know, because we have a big population, that didn't help either. But I think there was a time period, and I felt it too, where people just stopped caring. Like, I would be, you know, I'd have my window open, and I could hear people throwing parties, like, outside, having huge gatherings. And I'm in my head, I'm like, guys, like this is why we can't have nice things Mm -hmm. (laughs) like we we can't keep doing this and um you know people are not wearing masks um and i and i just felt like when things started opening up because they did open the bars and the restaurants over here and then you know when you're like drinking a whole bunch and you're drunk your judgment is impaired and you're probably not thinking about oh i need to wear this mask or maybe not stand so close to this person so I think it's just a mixture of all of, all of those things. Um, people just got sick of it, stopped caring. Um, bars started opening up. And people forgot that there's still a pandemic happening. Yeah. Um, and then now we're faced with, you know, we kind we kind of went backwards. We we're right where we were when we first started. And to me, it's, I mean, it's definitely frustrating because I'm kind of in this limbo because, like, you know, no one's filming anything right now.
0: Right. Yeah. It's it's um, it's affecting so many people, you know, and I I keep seeing these things where it's like, you know, if you watched any movies or read any books or or played any video games or, you know, watched a a show on, you know, Netflix or whatever, you know, next time like you see somebody with a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo or some sort of crowdfunding project for, you know, a new creative, you know, uh, endeavor, you know, Make sure that you support them. (laughs) Yes, because what do you think has been getting? Like, oh, I'm so bored. There's nothing to do. Like, I've watched 241 movies so far this year, and it's July (laughs) 2nd. Like, you know, but I am also the type of guy who, you know, will promote as much as I can somebody's, uh, you know, independent movie, or, you know, I'll put my, my dollars towards it because... You know, I like independent stuff, you know, and, you know, you have worked with Asylum quite a bit and, you know, that's, you know, independent. And, you know, one of the things that I've tried to do, and I think what really tipped the scales towards this is when you and and Ego and Dominic and Elizabeth and Carolyn came on the show uh, on Throwdown Thursday a couple of years ago to discuss Megalodon and... You know, like that really started my drive towards just because something is independent or it's just because something is low budget does not mean it is bad. And, you know, so I want to thank you for, you know, you guys really opened up my eyes to the vast amount of independent and, and low budget films that are out there because there's a lot of gold. There really is like, you know, I agree. And, uh, you know, uh, I was just I was telling you off air, you know, and I want to let folks know who are listening that, you know, I do this other show with with Leo Pond from The Dorkening, and it's all about independent creators. And one of the one of the uh, gentlemen that we interviewed the other night was saying how they're sorry, certain-
1: Patrick, I lost you for like a good two minutes.
0: Oh, Did you? Oh, OK. <laughs>
1: It was like connection loss. I'm sorry. So I I didn't hear anything you just said for like the last two minutes. I'm so sorry. Oh, no,
0: it's okay. Uh, I was just talking about, um, you know, independent films. The last thing
1: I heard you say was that you you interviewing us really inspired you.
0: Yeah. um, Basically, you know, talking to you guys really opened my eyes towards, you know, the fact that things could be. You know, just because something is independent or low budget doesn't mean it's bad. Like you want you want folks to especially the people that are out there, you know, like I am not a huge fan of all these, you know, Disney live action remakes. It's like (laughs) this movie exists. You're just remaking it with CGI and calling it live action. Like, right. You know, there has to be some sort of originality out there. You know, and all these people are like, Oh, I'm so tired of prequel, sequels, reboots, and spin-offs. And it's like, Yeah. So look at an independent movie. Look at something that doesn't have, you know, a hundred and fifty million dollar budget. They're like, Yeah, but you know, those are always bad. It's like they're not always bad. You know, and I can point to probably a dozen movies, you know, one jumps right off the top of my head, Geostorm. Geostorm oh, yeah. is is a big budget asylum film. That's what it is. It's, you know, if Asylum had a $150 million budget, that's what it is. I mean, it's got Ed Harris and Gerard Butler and Jim Sturgis and, you know, uh, I think I want to say Abby Cornish, but I can't remember if that's who it was because I've only seen it once. But, you know, all this, you know, crazy CGI, I'm like, but it's no different from any of the disaster movies that Asylum puts out. Like, it's the same plot. It's just a bigger budget. So, like, don't tell me that just because something has a lower budget, it can't be good. Because as we learned, you know, from, you know, discussing with you guys on uh, The Megalodon Show, like, you know, and we we talked a little bit about this, and we're going to get into it for your, your latest film. You have this super tight shooting schedule. You know, you have, you know, less than a week to make an entire uh, feature-length film. And it's incredibly difficult because you don't have the luxury of, well, we're going to do six, seven, eight, nine, ten takes. It's like you have one, maybe two. And, you know, so we were talking a little bit off-air about that. And you said, because uh, one of my questions for you is, uh, what was what was shooting like? What was the uh, location and you know, what type of shooting schedule did you have?
1: Uh, okay. Well, for, they literally booked me on this less than 24 hours <laughs> before we started shooting. So they booked me. I was out a fitting the same day and then we started shooting the next day. And, you know, I was the lead actress in this, in this movie. So I had a lot of lines and it was a lot, I'm not gonna lie. And we did it all in six days. The hours weren't too bad. I mean, I feel like they should have had some actors on set earlier, only because there were some times where we were just kind of I mean, I know that waiting around is kind of the normal thing, obviously. But for this, I it was mainly twelve. Sometimes we would go 13, 14 hours. Um, six days, and then I think they had one day of pickup. But we shot it all in like a sound studio, like a a warehouse Mm -hmm. on a green screen. A lot of the driving scenes that me and Mike had. Um, And then a lot in like, uh, I don't even, it's like in the hills, in the canyons, we shot a lot of the stuff. And then there was actually one day where we shot, um, I found out later on. It, turn, it got turned into a uh, like a movie filming place, uh, like this ranch. But apparently it used to be owned by this older couple and it burned down. Oh. And yeah, and, and like it, when you go there, everything's still burned. All the furniture's still there. It's like very eerie and creepy. But um, their kids turned it into like a filming location. But... I, I read about it and it was like, oh, they they almost burned alive. They got, they got pulled out and then they died later in the hospital. I was like, oh my god, that's so scary. But
0: <laughs> yeah, like that's that's a weird. But I mean, it's. I mean, if you're gonna take advantage of it, like turning it into a a filming location, isn't a terrible thing to do.
1: No, it's not. The history of it, though, I was like, wow, that's crazy.
0: Yeah. So yeah, you because guys... they didn't
1: they didn't touch anything they left everything the way it was, and it was just very creepy.
0: Okay, that's a little weird, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so this movie this is a fast and fierce death race. So you know, once once more, uh, you know, Asylum continues on their trends of you know, quote unquote mockbusters, where you know there's a big movie that's coming out and they tweak the title just a little bit to uh, avoid any legal problems, and <laughs> and you know. But I will say that, you know, from what I've seen of the uh, Fast and Furious trailers for some of these movies, like I remember when they first came out, they were actually about racing cars, and now there's like submarines and like s- like <laughs>
1: helicopters, tra- yeah,
0: and like you know people driving from one building, like leaping out of a building into another bit, like, and it just got ridiculous. So, you know, don't tell me that this movie is any more far fetched than one of those. So. It's like, oh, we used to be a street racing crew. It's like, now we're, we're all fucking James Bond crossed with the Avengers. like
1: Yeah, that is actually, you explained it perfectly. It's like, get out of my,
0: <laughs> get out of my face with that. Um, so one of the questions I was going to ask, because I knew a little bit about, you know, how the first couple of uh, Fast and Furious movies were done, because they didn't have huge budgets. You know, and a lot of that was shot on green screen. So my question is, how much actual driving was involved?
1: Um, not a lot. Uh, all the you know, the shots where like there's the the droid. Am I saying it right? I don't drone. know. Um,
0: like drone yeah, shots? is that what they
1: call them? Yeah, the droids. Okay, all the droid shots, like of the car driving through the canyon, those. That's all the driving that was in the movie. Um, Everything was either they were on like a towing truck and then they had the camera in front of the actor or we were in the studio on this green screen. So, and they did hire like a professional stunt driver to like do a lot of the exterior scenes, but everything like all the scenes with me and Jack in the car, like 95% of those were on a green screen.
0: I kind of figured because, um, I mean, some of these stunts, especially where, you know, like you were saying, like I was guessing that w- the, the shooting schedule is probably under two weeks because that's, you know, typical for, you know, folks we've interviewed uh, about asylum films. So I was figuring, you know, under two weeks. I didn't think under a week, but, um, you know, it's, it's tough to coordinate all these different stunts and get the permits and get the fire crews and all that stuff. So I figured a lot of it was going to be uh, green screen. Um, especially some of yeah. these crashes that you saw.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so one of the things that I really liked, and I saw this in the trailer, was the fact that you had not one, but two fight scenes. And I was very excited to see that because I liked your character a lot. And I'm not just saying this because you're on the show and that I like you and I think you're a, a great actor, but you were definitely the best part of this movie. Like, you came in, you were like Aww, the wild card. Like, you came in, kicked the shit out of that blonde girl, like, <laughs> cracked the safe, you know, and like, jumped into the car and took off. Like, <laughs> so cool. And then you had that other fight scene later on. Now, my, my question, you know, I kind of uh, have to evolve it a little bit because learning that you get signed on The day before they started shooting, and you only shot for six days. How much like prep time did you have for for the fight scenes?
1: Oh my god, they literally choreographed it as we were doing it. Like, Jared, the director, he's like, All right, so right here, you're gonna pull this, and and then you're gonna grab her and you're gonna pick her. Like, we literally just improvised it right there.
0: I will say that (laughs) I think it lent a little bit of authenticity to the fight scene. Because, like, I was getting that. Like, that first, uh, the the first, like, move that the two of you have uh, when she's got the cleaver in her hand. Uh And you kind of block it out of the way. It's like, it's not, like, this textbook, like, Jackie Chan block. It's, like, what you would expect someone to do like it didn't look like I'm a super professional and like no one can ever touch me it looked like two people that were actually fighting right So I in real life yeah so I think you know there was an advantage there like it actually looked and even the second fight it looked like there was some real authenticity to it like there was obviously some structure because you know you had a plan for like okay this is how this is going to go this is how this is going to go but i also appreciated the fact that like i just watched taken i watched all 3 taken movies the other day
1: oh i love Liam Neeson and
0: you no know, he's great but the fight scenes like i think i got whiplash from how many cuts they made it's like i'm going to oh. throw a punch <laughs> and it's four cuts for one punch and it's like oh my god i like i'm like am i having a stroke what is going on marvel does that too there's so many like Cuts and camera, like all of a sudden you're you're looking at them from the side. Now it's on top. Now it's over here, and it's like it's been a half a second. Why are there three different angles? This is insane. You know, but your guys' fight again had that authenticity, and part of it is because you know, again, you don't have the luxury of seventy-five takes, but you know, you have a, a plan. Like this is what we're going to do, and you guys executed it, and. You know, I don't think it was supposed to look like, oh, we're super highly trained and, like, because that isn't what I got from her character. I got from her character is, you know, she's definitely badass. Like, Bianca is definitely badass. But, you know, I don't – you know, she doesn't look like – or from what I gathered in the movie, like, she's not – She's not
1: like Jackie Chan or Jet Lee or anything like that. Right. Yeah. She's
0: not going to, like, you know, just <laughs> – it's not like that movie Anna or uh, – You know um, uh, Mila Jovovich in uh, Resident Evil. She's not just going to like start picking up guns and blowing away hundreds of bad guys doing backflips off their face. Like she can fight. She's tough. But you know, I and I think that you really brought that uh, that authenticity. I know I keep saying that, but you brought that authenticity to your character. So I really appreciated the fact that. uh, that you were able to do that and uh, make it believable. So the thing that I really liked, though, was, you know, as good as the first fight was, the second fight uh, in the bathroom, because there's something about bathroom fights, like, and there are so few of them. uh, My favorite, obviously, being the one from the Warriors, uh, because there's like 15 people involved. But Uh you had some really tight spaces. And first of all, it was just rude of that guy to like walk in on you. Like that's, that's number one. It's like, Hey buddy, occupado. Like that's number one. (laughs) But, um, for, for this particular fight where it's, you know, close quarters, like how did that compare to the, the fight earlier in the film against the, uh, the blonde lady there?
1: You know, the second one, second fight, excuse me, was definitely a lot more intense. I would say, um, because my adrenaline actually really was going. Like afterwards I felt like people were like, Are you okay? Are you okay? Like everyone on set was like making sure I was okay because I looked so terrified. Um and that's because I really was. I I I don't know. And I and Pontiac's like the nicest guy ever. Like he's so nice. Like he's really big, he's really tall. But he he's so sweet in real life, but I felt like in that scene I just really embodied like the feeling, and I was actually really scared. Like my body felt scared. Mentally, I knew you know that I was acting and everything, but I mean that that one was fun. But I'm not gonna lie, it did feel really intense afterwards.
0: Well, I mean, there, I mean, I, uh, looking at it, you know, because like you know, like you're saying, like he is much larger than you, and you are not a large human. You are... Uh, <laughs> and and we saw that in Megalodon, like, just the, the height difference between you and, and Dominic. Um, yeah, he's definitely a big dude. Do- he's easily three times your size, you know, and... Yeah. You know, you've got the scene where he's got to be, like, grabbing you and throwing you around, and there is that, you know, like, I know I'm okay. I know this guy's not trying to hurt me, but, you know... From what I've heard uh, from, you know, talking to people about who have done stunts and things like that, that fight scenes can be some of the most dangerous things. So they're like, oh, yeah, I can take a punch or like you move the wrong way. Or you do the wrong thing. Um, I forget who it was I was talking to um, or it might have been something I was listening to. Honestly, at this point, I I don't remember. But he was like, oh, yeah, you know, they moved me this way and I snapped my ribs, you know, and it wasn't yeah. even like a. Bad, like, fight scene. I think it was Tiffany Shepis on the Casualty Friday uh, podcast with Felissa Rose and Kane Hodder. Like, they were talking about that because Kane's a big stunt guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, you know, I went the wrong way or, like, they tied the rope too tight. And, you know, like if you don't get those those movements choreographed just right, like, you can really hurt someone. Like, you can hurt yourself as well. Like, I don't know if, you know, people listening have ever been in a fight, but punching someone in the face is not as delightful as you think because people's skulls are a lot harder than your hands like you are going to jack your hand up if you punch someone in the face Uh, i've been on both sides of that
1: (laughs) i mean i don't condone violence but you know as a kid like when i was in middle school and high school i actually got into a lot of fights like physical fist fights Mm -hmm. because i got picked on a lot so like you know, as I got older I was like, all right, well, I can get in trouble for that. I I shouldn't be doing that anymore. But yeah, I mean, getting into fight, a physical fight with somebody is is uh it's definitely an adrenaline rush and sometimes the injuries that you feel while you're fighting, you don't feel them right away. It's like you get when you get into a car accident, you're not going to feel your head, you know, if you hit your head really hard cuz I remember waking up the next day and I was actually sore like I had banged my knee on the wall. Without even knowing that I had did that, but you know it was fun and it turned out good. It looked great, Um, and I and I don't have anything like that on my reel, so I was excited to do it.
0: Yeah, I liked I liked that fight because uh, again, it exemplified how much of a badass Bianca was because she's taken down this guy that's you know three times her size and she's doing it by any means necessary. (laughs) <laughs> you know i i did love the end of that fight and i don't want to spoil it for anybody who wants to watch the movie but um <laughs> the end of that fight was amazing
1: oh i was laughing so hard when they told me what i was gonna do i'm not i don't want to ruin it for anybody either but
0: oh it's so great it's just um you know it's definitely something good to have on on your uh on your reel on your resume so to speak and you know it's uh It was a lot of fun to watch, too. And, like, you definitely looked a little bit worse for for wear afterwards. But, I mean, that is something that I enjoy. Like, I enjoy, like, realism in my movies. Like, you know, you see all these movies where a guy gets punched in the face 600 times as he's fighting, like, a team of ninjas through the jungle. And it's like, oh, my hair is perfect and my teeth are still, like, (laughs) gloriously white. Oh, my shirt's ripped a little, I better take it off. Like, that's that's the extent of, like, the damage that they have. I mean, like, yeah, even... Yeah,
1: I mean, I had a busted lip the whole movie after that.
0: Yeah, which I did enjoy the consistency of that, like... like... <laughs> well, I mean, what I'm saying is, like, a lot of times it's like, oh, well, they got hit in the face, and then, like, five minutes later it's like, oh, well, I had a busted lip. Well, I've always healed really quickly. It's like, it's been four <laughs> minutes, like... What are you Wolverine like or it's like wasn't you know wasn't your your bruise like on the other side? It's like no, I was right. looking in a mirror and the angles were weird like nah no, you 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 just don't get it, yeah, so i I did appreciate that, you know because you know sometimes again, in these bigger films, like consistency is hard to keep track of, but when you have a smaller you know a smaller uh production. You know, there's not as many people and, you know, the details are a little bit easier to keep track of, which I can appreciate, you know, which is something that, you know, a lot of folks, again, don't look at when it comes to these, you know, low budget or um, independent films. So,
1: yeah, I mean, we didn't have a script supervisor, so a lot of the continuity stuff was all actors keeping
0: track of. And I would imagine... Oh, yeah, you know there was
1: there was times where I was like, oh, I had a bruise here, or like, oh, I wasn't wearing my jacket here. Like nobody's gonna remember those things if you don't have a script supervisor, you know.
0: I would imagine that, like, um, you know, and again, I don't know, but I, you know, like I said, I would imagine that you know, on something like this where it's like, okay, you know, we want to make sure we keep this consistency, that you know, if if only. There were widely available cameras everywhere that someone could, you know, keep in their pocket and kind of document how things were going. It's like, you know, if I'm the makeup or effects person, it's like, okay, here's what, you know, here's what I'm doing for the first scene. Let me take a picture of what you look like so I can either A, replicate this or touch it up or whatever I have to do to maintain that consistency. Like, everybody's got a phone, so everybody's got a camera. Like, I figured that would be easier to keep track of at least if you're on you know a smaller a smaller set you know because say you're on a huge set and you've got like 900 people you know between extras and crew you know it's like well that guy you know his left arm was blown off where's the left well we're out of left arms i guess now his right arm's gonna have to get blown off (laughs) you know like you know various props and stuff like that so you know if you're you might not be working on the same people day after day. Like if you're not like the head makeup guy or head makeup woman, like it's like, you know, oh, I worked on Christian Bale. And like, you know, the the interns like, well, I worked on 65 different people yesterday and I'm working on another 30 today and none of them overlap. So there's no consistency between those people. I don't. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but like that's how I imagine it is.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's all part of, you know, working together as a team, but it's hard when you don't have the budget to hire, you know, a script supervisor who is, you know, going to be looking out for continuity and like, her hair was this way when we shot this scene and it shouldn't be this way. It's like a lot of things that you have to remember and, you know, the director's not going to remember every single detail. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. I mean, so, I, it's easy when you have more of a budget, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I I think so, but I mean, like I said, it could also be you know uh, a detriment because it's like now you have more people, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen, so to speak.
1: Right, for sure.
0: So, you said that you had uh, very little preparation for this, and this is your your uh, your your third movie. Uh, I don't remember. Is Tri- did Triassic World go? Through asylum,
1: yes, it did. All right,
0: so this is your third asylum film. Yes, and uh, there's there's nothing wrong with that. Like, there's no reason to to be like, yeah, like you (laughs) you are always good. I always enjoy your roles in these. Like, thank you. I have never not had fun watching one of your movies.
1: Oh, thank you so much. That I really that means a lot.
0: You know, and again, as the conversation that we had prior to recording, you know, I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> um, so we already know that this, this shoot was half of, you know, what Megalodon was, less than half. Um, yeah. I don't remember what um, Triassic World was like. but
1: Triassic World was also 11 days, I believe, 10 or 11
0: days. So now this and it
1: had a bigger budget.
0: So now this is like a huge difference. Like, yeah, what was your preparation like? You know, with those movies again, you know, uh, you didn't really have any fight scenes. No. Um. So like that obviously was different there, and we we touched on how you you guys kind of prepared for that, you and your your fight partner, your your dance partner, so to speak. <laughs> um, but for this, you know, you know, you got the role. You know, twenty-four hours before you're going to start shooting. How did this yeah. film like differ from the other ones?
1: Well, the cool thing about this one is that I actually didn't even have to audition for this one; they just offered it to me, As um, they which I thought, which I thought was really nice. Um, we shot it in six days versus eleven days, obviously, and you know, with Jurassic World and Megalodon, I had days you know, to prepare. I had like four or five days before we started shooting Um, for Fast and Fierce. It was literally like, we want you come to the fitting today. We start shooting tomorrow. And there was one day actually of filming where I had, we were shooting 40 pages of dialogue. And it was like all my scenes. And it was like really emotional scenes where I'm like talking about my daughter and like, crying and asking for help and like talking about DMX and I don't want to ruin the movie, but you know, it was just like very emotional scenes. Mm. Um, and then there was a a point where the second AD was like, Hey guys, we got to get moving or else we're going to have to start cutting scenes. So we literally shot three scenes in a span of like 15 minutes. And I was so, I was like, you know, I was upset. I'm not going to lie. I got mad, but I was like, you know what? It is what it is. Right. <laughs> it is what it is.
0: See, I I hear this, you know, and I'm trying to be optimistic. I hear this; it's like they did not just you. They reached out to you, and they were like, "Listen, you know, we think you'd be good for this. Come on down." And you know, some people might be like, "Well, you know, that's probably because they couldn't get anybody else." But it's like I look at it like you know,
1: I I thought that too. I thought, oh, someone dropped out.
0: That's not what I was. But then I.
1: About. Yeah, but then I talked to the other actors and they were like, "No, we all got booked today." See, when I was at the fitting.
0: I was I was looking at it as it's like, "Okay, you know, if I if I'm the, the the person casting the movie, it's like, "Okay, she's got experience, you know, working with this type of film because she's already done two. She you know, like they know that you can, you know, take a script and nail one take because you've done it before." Like, you're used to working under, you know, tight, uh, I would say, stressful conditions. And because you're a fucking pro, you're able to do it. And, you know, they could count on you to be this lead actress. And, you know, your character is the one that, you know, pretty much drives the story. Like, without you, it's just like three people in cars driving across you know mexico to la like your right. your character kind of in- introduces this you know this extra element that's like it's the emotional element it's the the you know like for lack of a better term the macguffin of the story like you know the little object that everybody's after like
1: yeah <laughs> you're
0: you're the one like and they they're like okay you know who can we reach out to that would be available, you know, is, you know, close by because, you know, if you were, if you were in like Saskatchewan, like it would probably be tougher for you to get down to to LA. Um, But, you know, you're in LA, so it's easier for you to get there. And then like, who can we trust that can carry this role? Because, you know, the, the, the dude that played Jack, Michael DeVorzon, like he was good, but there didn't seem to be much depth to the character other than like, you know, I'm a good racer and I'm, you know, I can be kind of gruff. Like (laughs) you're, I'm not, and it's nothing against him. It's just the way the, the the character is, you know, he's very like stoic. It's like a very, like um, a Jason Statham type character from earlier in his career. You know, it's just like the stoic, you know, talk with your gravelly, you know, raspy voice, You know, like you have a motivation, but like you're not going to show any emotion because you're too tough for that. Like your character really, uh, it was really you and Veronica Issa who were really like the two driving forces of this film, you know, on each side of the equation, you know, because I thought she was really good, you know, running around and like yelling and and being angry and like the different emotions that she's got to show. But like you had I think a wider range of things that you had to put onto screen and like hearing that it was six days, like and you had almost no prep time. Like that's that to me is more impressive. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I, I Thank I, you. I, because the whole thing is, you know, there's this this uh this race, whoever wins gets five million dollars and you know, DMX's character is Uh, taking bets and, like, he kind of orchestrates the whole thing to get Jack into the race to kind of, you know, uh, perpetrate his scheme. But, like, then you show up and just, like, throw a (laughs) wrench into the whole thing. So now, like, that's the added element. So, like, not only is there the race that's going on, but you also have the added element of like... You know, like, your involvement and how because I'm, tr- I'm trying to like dance around the, the plot Your involvement, yeah because you have you know these flash drives and what's on the flash drives is what's kind of driving the plot and like why you have these different confrontations throughout the uh throughout the the, the remainder of the film and I will say one of the cooler scenes because you don't see it that often was the uh Cartel scene where they kind of like stopped you guys in the middle of the road. Oh yeah, <laughs> like and I was take I'm like taking notes and I'm like, man, everybody's a jerk to Bianca.
1: <laughs> no, seriously, everyone was trying to get that boota, you know?
0: Yeah, like everyone's <laughs> ca- like, oh, they're calling her such mean names. Everyone's hitting <laughs> her and shooting at her and like, oh, they're so yeah, I'm- mean. <laughs>
1: I'm pretty sure because that's funny that you say that because i'm pretty sure dmx called me a bitch at one point and then when they were in that cartel scene they were like give us that buta and like and then in the bathroom scene pontiac calls me a i don't i think he called yeah he calls me a bitch too like yeah <laughs> it's so funny that you everybody say that. like
0: the whole time it's like wow it's <laughs> like i get you're mad but you know you know, take time and search your feelings. Like, don't don't, right? don't just rush to judgment. You don't even know her.
1: Oh, that's so funny. You just gave me a really funny idea Ugh. of, like, putting together, like, a compilation of all the times someone called me a bitch in that movie. <laughs>
0: that would be awesome. <laughs> Throw it up on YouTube. It's yeah. Like, Paulina is a bitch. Take one. <laughs> Put some music under it. Yeah be great Uh, so what you know if you if you could have uh your dream role in any uh let's say a franchise so there's a franchise out there um and you could be in like the next installment of that franchise like what would you want like would you want to be a bond girl would you want to you know be in the next star wars movie like what would you what would you want to do it could doesn't even have to be a movie it could be a tv series it could be anything like what would you where would you want to go like what kind of roles do you think you can uh you can take on
1: well you know it's it's i've always wanted to do tv like that's been like my ultimate you know goal when i moved to la but when you asked me that when you were asking that question the first answer that came to my mind was the matrix um <sighs> Because I love The Matrix; it's one of my favorite movies, um, and also I love Keanu Reeves, so that would be really freaking cool. Um, but you know, I, I think they were in the middle of filming the last one, and then they had to stop. Actually,
0: yeah, yeah, it was su- yeah. <clears throat> it got it even got moved a year because, <clears throat> excuse me, they're trying to. From what I understood at the time, like there was a big to do about. How John Wick 4 and The Matrix 4 were supposed to come out on May 21st, 2021. Like they were both going to drop the same day. And everyone's like, oh, that's oh, awesome. Man. It's like, yeah, I would definitely be at the theater watching both of those. Like, heck yeah. I mean, like, that was something that my wife and I kept doing, like, over, because uh, we did the, the AMC A list. So, like, it'd mm-hmm. be a Friday night. It's like, oh, it's Friday. We just got paid we're going to go to back to back movies because we don't have anything going on on Saturday, so we'd go see two movies uh like whatever happened to be playing that was that we thought was interesting we'd go see two of them but um, <clears throat> do you feel like that you've been uh i don't think you've been typecast because you play different roles in each of your in each of your movies so i don't that that's probably not the question I want to ask but what i i, th- I mean
1: you know, you're right. I have been able to play a very large range of characters, which I'm really grateful for. Like it's I feel like it's both a blessing and a curse because earlier when we were talking, you you know, there's a lot of actors that kind of play the same similar kind of roles, mm-hmm. which I don't think is a bad thing because, you know, that's like their niche, I guess you would call it. That's their brand, you know, um. But, no, I, ha- I don't think I've been typecast, but I do tend to get called in for a lot of, like, badass, like, you know, kind of rough around the edges, kind of edgy girl. But, but I don't know. All the things that I've worked on have been a very wide range.
0: Yeah, because you, um, you played, like, a, an engineer in, uh, in Megalodon. Yeah, and you're like a research scientist in Jurassic, Jurassic world. world, <laughs> and in this one, you're just like, oh, I'm just an overall badass, right? Uh, so, and you've been a cheerleader. I think that uh, partially owes to the fact that you look very young. I mean, not that you're old. Like, I, you know, I don't know exactly how old you are, but I, I would say, judging by, you know, how you look, you could play anywhere from like. 17 to 28. Wow.
1: Um, thank you so much.
0: <laughs> plus the the fact that you are not very tall really helps, uh, sell that because you're not, you know, you're not like a Gwendolyn Christie who's like six, three. And it's like, Hey, right. I'm in high school. Like, uh, I'm tiny. no, you're not, <laughs> but you, yeah. could you could play that, that type of role. Um, is there, like, I'll throw another random question out at you. If you could remake any film that you've seen and put yourself in the starring role, what would it be?
1: Oh, man.
0: Yeah, that's not an easy question. I think. No, it's not. I think this is the first um, time I've ever asked that to someone.
1: Hmm. You know what? I really like the uh the underworld movies a lot.
0: That makes sense. They're uh, very really, similar to the Matrix.
1: Yeah, like and you know, Kate Beckinsale is a badass. Mm. Um and I've always wanted to be in a movie where I could just kick ass. You know, um I mean, I would say Matrix, but I already gave you that as an option of an answer, but I was thinking, like, something sci-fi and something super badass where I'm, like, able to, like, train for a really long time and, like, learn new skills. Um,
0: I mean, that would definitely be a requirement of, like, Underworld or uh, or a Matrix-type film.
1: For sure. So it would probably be something along those those kind of movies, but oh God, there's so many that I would love to like remake and be in. But the, that one's like the first one that comes to mind only because I thought she was so cool in that movie.
0: Yeah, like
1: I, I just thought she was such a badass.
0: Yeah, like it's you know, it, it reminded me, like, you know, that was one of the first episodes we did. I think it was episode two of Throwdown Thursday, and we just released episode 210. Like, episode two with Celine from Underworld, which... Wow. Yeah, it's... Yeah, like, that's how... Like, I just started rewatching the series because there's a few of them I haven't seen. I forgot that there was five of them. I think I've only seen two, maybe three. I think three I've seen. I don't think I've seen the fourth or fifth one. Um, but I know I haven't seen The Rise of the Lycans with the... Uh, like, that takes place, like, way before everything.
1: I don't think I've seen that one either. But, like, I always thought the first one was so cool, you know? Like, she finds out that her whole life was an entire lie, and mm-hmm. then, like, she basically, like, goes against her own people. She's also a vampire, and she, like, falls in love with a werewolf. Like, there's, like, a love story in it.
0: <laughs> would you, if you were to do, like, an action film, would you rather do, like, uh somebody who does like a lot of like gunplay or would you re- be more like, Oh, I want to u- I want to use like, you know, handheld like swords or, or knives, or would you kind of want to do like a, a gun foo type of thing? Like, uh, like a John wick. So like,
1: Oh, that sounds awesome. Actually. Yeah.
0: Like, like that. Yeah. I could see you as like a, a John wick, like villain or, uh, like, there were there were a couple characters, like, just thinking to myself as as we're talking, like, where I could definitely see you. Like, I could see you as uh, Niobe instead of uh, Jada Pinkett in The Matrix movie. Oh, my
1: God. She's so cool in that movie. She
0: really is. But, like, I definitely think I, I, you could pull that off.
1: Wow. That's a really nice compliment. Thanks.
0: You're welcome. Um, <laughs> so... You've, uh, you've, you've been, you know, kind of laying low during quarantine. Um, how have you been passing the time? Like, what, what are you, are you watching movies? You know, maybe like, oh, I'm going to watch this and, you know, take notes, you know, to see how this person did this performance and kind of compare and contrast how I would do it. You know, like, kind of, like, honing your skills and practicing, you know, that type of thing. Um, how are you, how are you kind of, you know, like anybody else, like, oh, I have to work out all the time. You know, so I have to (laughs) I have to make sure I work out, you know, and this, you know, you're honing your skills. You know, it's like, you know, flexing your acting muscles like uh, what are you doing to kind of stay stay in shape for lack of a better term?
1: You know, I uh, I have been working out every day and I have been meditating um, and I've been doing a lot of like, I guess not so much. Cause I do think that all those things add to, you know, my acting, um, is, you know, working on your, your mental health, your physical health. Um, cause I felt like for a really long time, I, uh, kind of just ignored a lot of the things that I didn't want to deal with mentally. And I think, you know, acting was a really nice outlet for that. Um, but for the first time ever quarantine, I was able to really sit with myself So like these past couple of months, you know, I've gotten a lot of self-tapes and I've been like turning in my self-tapes, doing workshops, watching a lot of movies. But I think the most important thing for me has been working on my mental health. Like I, you know, really looked inward. I started journaling because I think part of being a really good actor is being a master at life, you know, like really studying how and people are, why, you know, why do I react this way? Why does this trigger me? Cause I feel like when you understand all of those things and you have the capacity to have that much empathy, um, not only for yourself, but for other people, it really helps to kind of figure out like human nature. So I, I just been like doing that more so on a much deeper level. Um, but you know, Cause I don't like looking for scenes and acting them out unless I really have to. Um, cause I think part of being a good actor too, is just having really good instincts. And I think part of having good instincts is really knowing who you are.
0: That's a really good answer. Um, and I think that, you know, from what I've been seeing like throughout quarantine and a little bit of what we talked about off the air, um, you know, as far as, you know, my my experience so far has been concerned is people have uh, been able to work on some of their mental health issues. You know, like a lot of people that, you know, you know, are introverted and really don't like going out, like their lives haven't changed all that much. And they've been able to kind of, you know, talk to some of their friends that are maybe going stir crazy or getting cabin fever and just like, how do you deal with this? And it's like, well, you know, this is how I deal with it. This is how you know, my, you know, specific, um, you know, mental health routine helps me, you know, like I found that, you know, like I, you know, for the first month or so where I was just like, I was so used to going out and doing things and just, you know, it's like, oh, I have an errand to run. I'll just go do it. Or, Or I have, you know, I have to go here or, you know, I'm a very, uh, people centered person. Like I, I don't like, All people, but like the people that I do like, I like to see them, you know, and like say not being able to see my family, not being able to see my niece, not being able to just like go hang out with my brothers and and watch a movie and, you know, order pizza and, you know, all these little things that you take for granted. And it's like now I'm I'm working from home and I'm here every single day and I'm seeing the same four walls every single day. And it's like it was really draining me and wearing on my mental health. You know, my wife was comparing me to like uh, a Labrador retriever when I came when she would come home. I'd be like, (laughs) like, oh, my God, you're here. You're home. Oh, my God, this is so great. Look at you. Oh, Here I am. Like, I'm talking to a person. All right. You know, like because we have like, you know, we have daily calls that, you know, check in calls with, you know, uh, not only my coworkers, but like other clients. But it's not like it's not like, oh, did you see the game last night? Oh, there was no game. Oh, did you see like this? Did you you know, did you watch that? Like, hey, you know, what kind of music are you in? Like you can't have these conversations like you would in a normal office setting because you're not in an office and you only have a few minutes and people are just like, "Yeah, I got to get back to work." I'm I'm sitting at home. And it's just so draining. Like I've rearranged the studio a couple of times. You know, <laughs> Because I've had to because it's like I need to change my environment, even if it's just a little bit i I can't just sit there. It's like, oh, that shirt's in the same spot it was in a week ago. should probably do laundry, but it's like I don't have the energy or motivation. so I think quarantine yeah. is definitely helping people um, assess their mental health, you know, especially if they haven't been. You know, paying attention to it or focusing on it, because there's been so many things that you know can distract you. It's like, well, I have to go to work today, and I have to deal with traffic, and I have to make sure I grab my coffee on the way in. I'm like, oh, they made my coffee wrong. Like, all those distractions are gone. Yeah. So, I mean, I can definitely understand. Like, you are definitely taking a good approach to it, where it's like, this is what I know will work for me, and this is what I'm going to do to, you know, kind of maintain because you know you are an actor and there's nothing being filmed right now yeah and you know i can tell from the way you said that that it's very frustrating and <laughs> like disappointing to you and you know i know that you know you're you're yearning for that that chance you know and i know that it's going to come for you because you are very talented and i want somebody to see you and be like oh she would be perfect for whatever role, you know, like I just I want to be able to to turn on a movie and be like, that's Paulina. She's awesome. Like, oh, did you like, you know, have somebody say to me, oh, did you see this? It's like, yeah, I know that lady. We're Facebook friends and I've interviewed her three times. She's awesome. You know what I mean? <laughs> Thank like, you. I want that success for you because you work really hard at what you do. Thank you. You know, and I think that everybody who has something to offer, you know, if they're able to, you know, show that they have talent, because I, you know, we were talking again, we were talking off air and I know that you are more talented than so many different actors out there. And it's like, it's like, oh, like give somebody else a chance like how many movies came out like in a row with like Miles Teller and Shailene Woodley in them? It's like, "Oh. <laughs> like you know there's other actors in Hollywood, right? Like <sighs> look around." Like <laughs> <laughs> And like they were always paired up in something. It's like, "Oh god. Like give somebody else a chance."
1: Yeah, I I feel you. you they know. they like to, you know, they like to recycle the same actors, but uh, you know, with quarantine it's like I've, I heard a lot of people move back home. So I am trying to not let that. I'm trying to look, that, look at that in a positive light. Like I'm like, oh, people move back home. More opportunities for me. But I'm also like, damn, that really sucks for those people.
0: I think that, you know, I, I've been talking with a lot of people since uh, the beginning of this year. Like I've been trying um, more and more to kind of. Branch out and talk to more people, uh, and it's helped with you know joining the the podcast network. I've been able to talk to more independent creators, and you know people know that I'm trying to talk to more you know directors and actors and help them get their their work out there. And you know I've found that it's not just you know L.A. where people are making films. You know I I've had folks like, oh yeah, like you know Michigan's a great place to to film independent stuff because we made this and this and this and this and this you know or <clears throat> you know New England is a huge independent uh filming place you know Georgia another place where you know a lot of folks are are making films and like they're they're doing fairly well so it's not just like the californias and the and the uh and the new yorks you know so <clears throat> Maybe that's something that you know you can kind of take heart, and you know, with your 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 people that you know that are having to move back home, you can just be like, "Well, they're they're moving home, but you know, there are opportunities for them there as well." But yeah. at the same time, you know, more for you too. Like, you know, I I I I want to see you do well. I want to see you in in something. Like, if I had the option, and I was like, "Oh, I'm casting this," like like, oh, yeah, you need to talk to to Paulina. She would be great.
1: Thanks, Patrick.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, and that's always in the back of my mind, like, as I talk to people. And it's not just, like, people that I think would be, you know, that are good. It's people that are good people. Because, like, I've talked to people, you know, I've gone to conventions and met people, and they're, like, huge jerks. I'm not going to name any names, but they're huge jerks. But if somebody is like, oh, well, I'm looking for, you know, this movie i want to watch a movie or i want to see this or i want you know i'm tired of seeing the same old things and it's like oh well here's person a person b person c that you know i've had personal dealings with and they're awesome you know check out their work and who knows what that leads to you know so i'm i am always you know hyping up the people that are not only you know talented but also good people and you are certainly on that list
1: Thank you. I really appreciate that.
0: Well, like I said, I, I try to be as honest as possible with people. And, you know, sometimes I'm a little... Like, I sound like I'm fanboying out, you know. It's like, oh, my God, you're so amazing. But, like, <laughs> you know, it frustrates me because I'll see... You know, I'll watch the movie that you're in, and then, like, I'll see people just trash the film because it's it's like, you know... The asylum presents, and then they're just hitting their keyboard. This movie's awful. It's like, wait till the credits, just like, you know, give it 30 seconds into the film, at least, before right. you start trashing it. Like, just because it says asylum. <laughs> like, and that's that's my biggest goal is to kind of get people away from just assuming that it's like, oh, it's a parody. It's terrible. I'm like, yeah? You like Weird Al, don't you? Everybody loves Weird Al. Those are parodies, you know? <laughs> You know, all the National Lampoon movies, like, Lampoon literally means parody. Like
1: maybe- Yeah, you know, I think with Asylum, it's like you just got to go into watching it with an open mind and not having really high expectations of, like, a, you know, the actual Fast and Furious movie where you're going to get super, like, crazy CGI effects, you know. It's just, it's like one of those movies that you watch at home and you have fun and you have your beer and it's fun to watch.
0: Right, like they're they're popcorn films. You can watch your popcorn, you can enjoy them. Like there may not be any like, you know, super deep message where you're like, Oh, you're missing the subtleties of how amazing I am. You don't understand how great I am. I was talking with somebody about that and they uh about a movie that they made. Oh, Ginger Dead Man Three and wow. someone was like, Yeah, this <laughs> this wasn't a great movie and the director was like attacking him it's like oh you don't understand the deeper cinematic uh you know <laughs> meaning of the film like you don't understand it's like dude you shot it over a weekend like what type of depth do you have in it like it's a time traveling cookie that gets killed by hitler like what is the message you're conveying here right right because right. the guy was like oh you know, relax, move out of your parents' basement and and smoke a bowl before you watch the movie again. Maybe you'll understand it. It's like, if I have to alter my state of consciousness in order to understand your movie, like, Steven Spielberg's not like, no, you just didn't get it. Why don't you get drunk and watch Schindler's List? Maybe then you'll understand. Like, nobody nobody says that shit. Like, come on. Right. By the way,
1: drinking beer and watching Schindler's List sounds really depressing. Yes, (laughs)
0: Yes, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend the two, uh, at least not together.
1: You know, it's really funny that you brought that movie up because there's actually like a, because I walk my dog every day and I walk by it. It's not open right now, but they actually have like a Schindler, like a Schindler's house memorial, like park, literally right, the block, the block right over by my house, a block over. Interesting. Yeah. So I do live in a, a very high Jewish area.
0: Yeah, I I used to, uh, I actually used to live right next to a a synagogue, uh, you know, before I ended up uh, meeting my wife. I lived in a a nice neighborhood, you know, it's a nice little coffee shop, there's a pizza place, like everything was with like two minutes walking distance, it was awesome.
1: Yeah, I mean, my neighborhood's nice, too. I'm I'm blessed. But it's just funny that you brought that up, because I walk by it every day. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I mean, that's kind of cool. Like, it, that's like a piece of history that you could have, like, yeah. know, so close to. And
1: you. that's a really good movie.
0: Yes. Yeah. It's very
1: sad, but it's very good.
0: It's brutal. And I think that was like the last thing Liam Neeson was in before, like, he's turned into a, you know, killing machine. <laughs> uh, so we already have discussed how you are a, a super talented actor and, you know, you're very good at what you do. Have you ever thought about branching out into writing or potentially directing? Like, is there anything, you know, because you've been on a lot of sets, you've been on tight schedules, like you can definitely handle the stress. Is there anything that you either think you would be good at or you're, you're willing to give it a shot? And if you fail, at least you tried. Uh,
1: you know, I that's always been on my goal list. Like I have this goal sheet where I write like my goals and directing and writing a movie has been on, on one of those lists. But, you know, I, I have this weird fear. And I think everybody goes through this where it's like, you're like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then you start thinking of all the things that stop you from doing it. Like, I'll be like, oh, man, I, I want to write, but I don't have any ideas. Or I'm like, I want to write, but I don't think I have any good ideas. And I think I just set the expectations way too high. And it freaks me out to the point where I don't even get started. Um, Writing is definitely something I have thought about, though. But I'm like, I have this fear where I'm like, oh, man, if I write something, it's going to be horrible.
0: All right. I'm going to give you a piece of advice that I gave myself when I was 12. And I have said this to a thousand people over and over and over again. I love to write. I have a, a very active imagination. I have all kinds of different ideas constantly swirling in my head. Like I have this whole text thread to myself of various ideas of things that I want to do, whether it's like drawing or writing or just like something. Like I was watching uh, Bob's Burgers with my wife a few weeks ago, and you know it's one of our favorite shows. And I was like, oh, what if they all like got into a heist? And like they were Bob's Burglars, like, oh, uh, wouldn't that be fun? You know, like no. random <laughs> shit like that. But when it comes to, I think my ideas are bad. You know, and I know you've seen the memes that are like, oh, every time you, th-, you know, you know somebody green lit a movie about you know tornadoes filled with sharks, I will do you <laughs> one better. There is a Stephen King story called "The Mangler" about a laundry machine. That comes to life and starts killing people. They made that into a movie, and there is a sequel to it. A haunted laundry machine, like one of those industrial laundry machines from like the 40s and 50s, that escapes its bonds and kills people. That was made into a movie, and that was made. Uh, uh, that has a sequel. So okay. <laughs> the next time yeah. that you're like I see your point here. <laughs> oh, my idea is no good. Think about some of the ideas that have been made. It's like, okay, so he's like this nerdy high school kid, right? Within like a spider bites him and now he's a superhero. What? <laughs> like Okay, so here here's you're right. my...
1: There's a lot of bad ideas right.
0: out Right. And some of these ideas turn into like amazing. It's like, okay, so He's, like, really rich, right? But instead of putting his money into fixing the infrastructure, he's sad about his parents because he saw his parents get killed when he was a kid. So now he beats up the mentally uh, unstable. Like, that's what he does at night. That's where he puts all his money. He beats up the mentally unstable, and people call him a hero. Uh, so what do they call a uh, Batman. Oh, so he, like, beats <laughs> people with a bat? No, like, you know, he's scared of bats. So, like, that's what he dresses up as. (laughs) It
1: sounds crazy when you explain it like that.
0: Right. But, like, when you think of these ideas, because you got to remember, like, you get an idea. And it's, like, that's just it. Like, think of it as, like, a newborn. It's, like, this is my idea. And, like, it will grow and flourish. And depending on which way you go, like, it could, you know, grow up to be, you know, my idea became a doctor. My idea became a lawyer. It's like, oh, my my, uh, my idea turned out to be, uh, you know, a meth addict and spent last night in a ditch. You know, that's going to happen. You're going to have ideas that kind of fizzle out and go nowhere. But uh, it's like on my one of the first podcasts I was ever on, I was on with, uh, who is now a, a friend of mine. His name's El Goro. He's done 600 episodes at this point on his podcast. He's the best film critic I know. And the other guest was a gentleman by the name of Steven Scarlatta, who has like produced and written and done movies and here's me, like some guy I'm friends with the host of the show. So they're like, oh why don't you come down and talk about aliens with us? Okay, I'll talk about like I love that series. Like that whole franchise is amazing. And i they're like, yeah, this is who's on the show with us. And it's like, I am so far out of my league, it's not even funny. And the two of them, you know, uh, Steven Scarlatta and El Goro, were telling, like, they reassured me. They're like, no, no, no. Here's the thing. You have something to add to this conversation. You know. El Goro was like, you, no one has your voice. There are a million people that do what we do. But no one has your voice. And it's like, holy shit. Like, no one's going to think the way I do. No one's going to look at this situation the way I'm going to look at this situation. Because the specific set of circumstances that have formed my life and that have brought me to the point right now where I'm sitting here with a notebook and a pen in my hand... No one else has gone through that exact set of circumstances, so no one else is going to look at this situation or this character the way I'm going to do it. No one is going to write this the way I'm going to write this. So I think that's how you have to look at anything, any creative endeavor that you're going to. And I would love to read a script that you wrote. I would absolutely love it because I think that you could... You know, with the, the everything that you've done in your life that's brought you to this point, you're gonna have a unique perspective, like no matter what it is, no matter what you're writing about. No one else is gonna be able to duplicate that.
1: You're right. Thanks. That was very encouraging.
0: Oh I, I, I do my best. <laughs> so uh yeah, we've been going for a while now, we're a little over an hour. But um you know I know that you know you you probably want to eat well, it's not so late for you. It's about seven thirty here. it's about four thirty where you are. but I'm sure you want to, like get some dinner and you know walk the dog and and do what uh, what you need to do. So um, where do you like folks to follow you as far as uh, social media and you know where can folks find your work outside of uh, IMDB?
1: Um I'm on Instagram. Uh, just like everyone else. Um, Paulina, T-H-U-Y, that's my middle name, Nguyen. You can find me there. Um, I post pretty frequently. I am on Facebook too, um, but I think uh, you can follow me on there as well.
0: So, if you are uh, interested and looking, oh, excuse me, if you are interested in looking up the uh, the films, uh, every uh, Megalodon, I believe, is on um, is Prime. On, it's all crime on Prime now. Uh, Triassic World, you can buy digitally. I own it digitally on um, on uh, what you call it, Voodoo. and I believe with um, with Fast and Fierce, I believe that's uh, on.
1: I think it's on like iTunes, it's also on Amazon Yeah,
0: right now it's like available to rent or buy Yeah I'm just trying to find it I have a uh, I have this uh, This app called um, Called uh, Just Watch mm-hmm. And it kind of tells you where everything is Is streaming or like Whether it's free, whether you can buy it uh, Oh, cool yeah, so all right, finally pulled it up. So if you have uh, a Hoopla subscription, I don't know what that is, but I'm guessing it's some sort of uh, streaming service. You can stream it for free, uh, oh, wow. but you can rent it on Fandango now, Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, Vudu, uh, for three ninety nine. Redbox has it for six ninety nine. Uh, iTunes or Apple TV, I should say, has it for four ninety nine. Or you can buy it, which I recommend because then you have it. Uh, Seven ninety nine, uh, Google Play, Apple TV, Amazon. It's ten bucks. Fandango, uh, Microsoft. Yeah, so you have a lot of different options. And uh, yeah, one of the things we didn't really talk about is like DMX is like the main bad guy.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and DMX, uh, most people know him for uh, Cradle to the Grave. Like, yes. He did, he did several movies with Jet Li.
1: Yes, he did.
0: And then I think one with Steven Seagal.
1: I don't remember that one actually.
0: Um but yeah, I think I remember I th- I remember Cradle to the Grave mainly because somehow Anthony Anderson was able to hold his own in a fight against Jet Li.
1: Like I don't remember that. I got to watch it again. <laughs>
0: like that I was... actually love Jet Li movies. Oh yeah, he's he's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh but yeah, it, it that to me, I was like, okay, that you know, I'm fine with the suspension of disbelief in movies, but to tell me that Anthony Anderson can fight Jet Lee, I'm sorry, no.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, good for him though to be able to get that that role and like talk that into the script, like
1: hell like, yeah. It's
0: like, all right, so in this scene, when I kick the shit out of Jet Lee, and if I'm <laughs> Jet Lee, Li, I'm like, wait, what? Like, we'll give you an extra two million, make it four. <laughs> I have a reputation to maintain here, uh, but yeah, that's uh, you know that's where you can find the film. I highly recommend uh, checking them out. Uh, Megalodon, obviously my favorite. Uh, I really liked um, Triassic World. Again, weird concept for a film, but um, <laughs> you know some really solid performance. Haley Williams was excellent in that film.
1: Oh yeah, she was great.
0: I wish you had a bigger role. But, that uh, was, like,
1: you know, my first one with Asylum, so I get it. You know, they, they, they wanted to, like, ease me in a little bit.
0: But you had some memorable scenes, I will say that, without yeah, giving mean, anything away. Uh, yeah. I was
1: about to say something, and I didn't want to give it away <laughs> yeah. either, but yeah.
0: You definitely have that one super memorable, which I thought was awesome, and I thought you... Uh, I
1: think I had the best one.
0: I, I agree. I agree. You pulled it off very nicely. Um. But yeah, uh check those out. Absolutely, because they're they're really good movies to begin with. And uh obviously Fast and Fierce Death Race. Um I enjoyed it. Wasn't my favorite of your films. Um
1: Thank you for your honesty.
0: Well, yeah, I'm not gonna sit there and be like, Oh yeah, everything is amazing and everything is wonderful. Oh man. Like is it's it's not it it's kind of a product of the, the the shooting schedule, I think. If you guys had another week, I think it would have vastly improved because you you know you had two weeks uh, you know a week and a half to two weeks for all the other films, and you know it really showed the the difference in quality because you know you guys were able to prepare and do a little bit more. Um, yeah. And I think you know it's that's nothing on you guys. Like you guys did the best with the budget that you had, and I think you. Uh, You did a good job. Thank you. I just think it could have been, it could have, it definitely could have been better. Like, I'm sure, you know, you you know, not just you, but, you know, pretty much everybody could look at a scene and be like, man, I wish I had an extra take on that. Like, I think I could have done it. I would have done a little better. I think I could have really nailed that specific thing. But um, I think you guys did uh, a very good job considering what you, uh, what you were working with. Thank you. I
1: appreciate that.
0: Paulina, I am going to uh, bring this interview to a close. And I want you to know that anytime you have any project, anything that you're you're working on, anything that you want to promote, I don't care what it is, uh, you can reach out to me. I will always have you on the show. You are just a delight. Um, Thank you. I would love to someday meet you. Oh, thank you. I'd love to someday meet you, you know, uh, at one of your big Hollywood premieres. Like, that would be awesome. But, Someday
1: uh, soon, when coronavirus is over, oh,
0: I know. Honestly, I'd love to. I'd love to like have like a megalodon reunion at a at a convention. Like that would be amazing. But uh, until then, I I hope you remain well. I hope you uh, stay healthy, and uh, you know continue walking your dog and having a, a, a nice, enjoying the nice weather out in California as much as you can.
1: Thank you. You you as well. I mean, in Boston.
0: Yeah, I'll do my best. It's it's weird weather up here, but I'll do my best. But uh, yeah, so we'll be uh, right back.